0: Built a very successful SaaS company with services layered on top of it called Skyward, helping scale content marketing. They just raised a bunch of money, past 20 million AR. They've teamed up with one of the greats, Bob. I tried to mess with Bob and he shot back. You don't wanna mess with Bob. This is the Top Entrepreneurs Podcast, where founders share how they started their companies and got filthy rich or crash and burn. Each episode features revenue numbers, I'm your host, Nathan Latka, and here's today's episode. Hello, everyone. My guests today are Tom and Bob. Let's start with Tom. He's the founder and CEO of a company called Skyward, the leading content marketing technology and services company. Uh, The company liberates brands from ineffective marketing practices and inspires them to create deeper connections with their audiences through storytelling. That's where Bob comes in. Bob McGee is an award-winning story authority and best-selling author. Uh, uh, Tom then also leads uh, Storonomic Seminars, Together, they instruct senior executives and marketing professionals on how to apply storytelling structure to their business in order to drive revenue, margins, and brand loyalty. Tom, Bob, are you guys ready to take us to the top? Absolutely. All right, so so let's do this. So, Tom, you lead SkyWorld. Tell us real quick what the company does and what your revenue model is, and then we'll shift over
1: to Bob. Sure, Nathan. We uh, help companies like IBM, MasterCard, uh, Samsung, transform their primary marketing approach from ad-centric uh, to story-centric. That is, instead of interrupting their customers with ads that annoy them uh, or might be off-putting, uh, they learn to tell stories that their customers actually seek out because they are either informational or entertaining. And to become better storytellers, uh, we reached out and uh, and wanted to partner with the most recognized guy in the world at that craft, uh, Robert McKee. And, and, and Bob,
0: tell us more about your work for those that are not familiar.
2: Well, I give <clears throat> huge uh, three- and four-day uh, seminars, um, as Tom was saying, around America and all over the world, and um, I discovered that many people were coming to these seminars not because they were playwrights or screenwriters or novelists, uh, but because they were business people. And they were trying to uh, master the uh, the art of storytelling uh, for their marketing, and uh, but they were willing to sit for three or four days from nine o'clock in the morning to seven eight o'clock at night, trying to just get the essence of it. Now, Bob, and it's because so, you're um, it's because you're a good looking guy. So yeah, so so I mean, I, all right. so, uh, so I, um, I thought well they need their own seminar, and so. Uh, and, um, and I need to know more about business and exactly what uh, marketing uh, entails. And so I, I, Tom had been a student of mine at Harvard years ago and, um, uh, and so uh, we met and uh, we teamed up and he brings the business uh, mastery to it and I try to uh, uh, help uh, make it clear uh, what a story is exactly. And how to use it in business, and between so, the so you two wrote of us this then, together, Bob. Yeah, 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 we co-authored. and between the two of us, then we we think we've created a book um that that makes storytelling a an efficient, purposeful uh, uh, action for marketers rather than the sort of vague, indirect uh, uh, work that that this, this notion of stories. It's very unclear for people. Yep. And so we wanted to create a you know, a playbook for marketers. Uh, so we broke story down into eight clear, powerful steps, which I think no one else has ever
0: done. Wait, Bob, hold that, hold that. That's an open loop. I want people to stick around. So you're gonna hold on for some of these steps Bob's gonna tease in a second. But first, Tom, I don't wanna lose my audience here on this. And, and the reason I bring that up is the following. They are really sophisticated private equity, M&A, SaaS founders, and they will naturally be skeptical going, why is Nathan having a book author on the show? Does this guy have a legit business or is he just writing a book? Brag about yourself for a second. Tell me about the company and then explain rationally why the hell do you spend your time to write a book where you just lose a lot of money and takes a lot of time and energy?
1: A lot more time and energy than I ever expected, Nathan. <laughs> uh, so Skyward is a SaaS plus services company. Uh, we uh, work with about 150 large brands, uh, mostly uh, U.S.-based. And our, our clients uh, use our platform on a subscription basis to author uh, most of their uh, content for digital. Okay. That's feeding their web, uh, social channels, and email channels. And then they will engage a creative pool of thousands of freelance creatives that we make available to them if they don't have the in-house talent to tell those stories. And then these we are writers, Tom, is that right? Writers, videographers, photographers, they can tell really any type of story they'd like. Got it. And, and then we provide uh, editorial and production assistance if they don't have that in-house as well.
0: So trailing 12 months, what percentage of revenue is professional services versus pure SaaS, predictable SaaS?
1: It's about two thirds SaaS, about a third services.
0: Okay, that's healthy. And then, can you give me a general sense of size, like north or south of ten million bucks, five million bucks? Where are you generally?
1: Sure. Uh, so we just raised a twenty-five million dollars growth equity round from Row Capital. Okay. And okay. Uh, closed. Uh, we announced that last month. I closed it just at the end of December, and uh, we are uh, approaching twenty million in ARR.
0: Okay. And does that twenty million though also include the one-time professional services, or that's on top of the twenty million?
1: Uh, the services are not one time, they're subscription as well. So our clients pay for those on an annual subscription basis, and it does include that number.
0: Do you see the same churn economics with the professional services folks? They're sticky, just like the SaaS play? They are. And
1: and in fact, the services in many cases are a uh, an anti, if you will, into the game. Because if you think about marketing traditionally, uh, marketers used to outsource their creative function. Yep. So if you go to a marketing department today, they don't know uh, how to tell stories. They don't have the either the operational infrastructure or the know how to do that at scale successfully and uh, consistently over time. Yep. So, by giving them uh, not just the platform that they need, but the talent access and the expertise, uh, we can help make that transformation from ad to story centric marketing uh, easier and more successful I love it so this
0: is a this is the book is a way it's another marketing channel congratulations by the way on, on linking up with the publisher to do that I get it um, it's helpful hold the book up real quick so everyone can see it what's the title
1: hey, storynomics uh, it goes on sale on the 20th of March on all major books
0: good and this will be out by then uh, so put, folks you can go buy it now but let me hit them hard first before you decide to buy or not Bob I have a question for you Are you ready for this? So so, so I'm a big uh, believer when I look at I'm going to be selfish here for a second. When I look at my general life and marketing that has worked well for me, I've tried the whole tell a story in a long form sales page and tested that. I've also tried leaking an LOI to buy success for five million dollars to Business Insider to actually make my life a story with a lot of volatility that people can't help but stop watching. The latter did way better than me trying to crank out a long form sales page story. Um, what is the future?
2: Well, first of all, your first choice was to, this long form. You probably didn't tell a very good story. You're probably Just because right. because you think you're telling the story doesn't mean that you are. On the other hand, the story that you told about your life is very dynamic, and I'm sure that it was very gripping and well-told and had a powerful ending, and that's why it worked. So when somebody says to me, you know, I told a story and it didn't work, my question is really, did you tell a story? Mm -hmm. I mean, you think you did, but that doesn't mean you did. Um, Because most people in business don't know the difference between a narrative and a story.
0: What's the difference in a sense? What you probably told
2: was a narrative, Uh not a story. It was and then, and then, and then, and then. What you told the second time was in fact a story, Mm -hmm. and
0: that's why it worked, so here's where here's where I start blending these things when that thing was success magazine works so well. So I literally leaked an LOI with the, the contract and everything to Business Insider. They ran it. I didn't end up doing the deal for success, but people, it it created a perception in people's brains. They said, wow, Nathan has the money to do this deal. That's great. But also, Success Magazine, people started reaching out to me going, we just were fired, we'd love to join you. And then like the story propagated itself. You're seeing this right now in the Trump White House where the stories are happening so quickly, nobody can even seem to keep up. So my question to you is, if people wanna create stories of their life and, and keep people in their life story, do they create the storylines or do they do they have to look back and tell the story in, in the past? Well, your, your audience
2: are entrepreneurs, right? Mostly, yeah. Private equity, M&A, CEOs. An entrepreneur is somebody with a story. An entrepreneur doesn't have a product yet or a service yet. They're going out trying to raise money so that they can build that product or offer that service. And so they have to, they have to, get people to see it from their point of view and be willing to part with their money. Mm-hmm. And to do that, you have to tell a story. Now, if you think the story of your life uh, is so compelling to an to, to an investor that they'll put up their money, fine. I, I'm very suspicious of that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. I think the story that an investor wants to be told is how this product is going to work in the world and how the product or the service that you're going to create works and will work. Um, how much of that is autobiographical? I can't say, but there's a there's a tendency, especially uh, today, in people thinking that their life is more important than what they do. And um, I don't. Uh, but you, you know, you put it in the world and you see what reaction you get. If you tell a story one way and you don't get a reaction, then you tell it another way and it does. Then obviously. What works, works.
0: Well, so Bob, my, my question though, let me, let me redefine the question, I asked it the wrong way. Um, people's attention spans are so short.
2: Very few create so that it. premise is wrong to begin with. I would disagree with you people's emphatically spans, on that. People's attention spans have not changed since we sat around the fire in caves. Your attention span is determined by your genetics and the he- human genome hasn't changed. What has changed is people's interest spans. Their interest spans are shorter. They're, look, people binge. Well, you're split, Bob. True or false? People, you're splitting. No, my audience will think you're no, no, splitting no, no, hairs. No, 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 no. listen to me for a moment. People binge five or six or eight hours of long-form television a night. What kind of attention span does that take? This notion that people don't have attention spans they used to is nonsense. What they don't have is interest bands. They will not politely listen to something that's boring them. And so you can hold people's interest, you can hold their attention, as long as what you're telling them is captivating. That's the difference. You have to have their interest, and if you have their interest, you will have their attention.
0: We've all heard of Drift and Intercom and these other messaging companies that are reaching multi-billion dollar valuations and raising hundreds of millions of dollars. And that's why customer engagement company Freshworks is jumping into the game with their new product, FreshChat, which helps engage website visitors, convert them into customers, and retain and support those customers to become happy, engaged users. Now, Freshworks is valued at $1.5 billion and has more than 150,000 businesses around the world using them. Their new product, Freshchat, differentiates from the market because, one, they've got channels to create focused message threads and threading. Number two, it's self-service inside the messenger. Number three... They have a lower price point, mainly because they have revenue from other revenue streams. It allows them to get away with a cheaper price point. And number four, it's specifically built for marketing, sales, and support teams. If you want to try Fresh Chat today, you can do so at nathanlatka.com forward slash Fresh Chat to turn visitors into leads and customers into happy, engaged users. Again, sign up for a 30-day free trial. It's a beautiful thing. So easy to sign up. nathanlatka.com forward slash Fresh Chat. I'll see you there. I'm going to go back to my question, which is the following, Bob. I'm not going to try and split hairs around words that you use because you're way more educated there than I am. What I'm going to try and do is look at what's happening on a day-to-day basis. A company or a person like the Kardashians can launch a makeup brand and instantly have it be a billion-dollar company, whereas Avalon has spent decades trying to tell stories to capture attention. And these guys, where people pay attention to them in real time, not necessarily make time to go watch their story or read a book on their story or their life story. So my question is, can how do you how do you how do you build these deep form stories in a way that can actually compete with following somebody in real time, in real time moments?
2: Well, I'm presuming that most of the people we're talking to uh, are, are not Kardashians. They don't have that kind of exposure. Uh, because of scandal and... Um, well, the same can uh, be said for other cryptocurrency.
0: Cryptocurrency is maybe a better example.
1: Yeah. Nathan, I think, it, you know, if you want to think about stories that have really moved business, uh, one of the examples we... The classic example, I think, that we use is if you think about how Steve Jobs launched the Macintosh. It was with a short story in that famous 1984 commercial, the Super Bowl ad, uh, that uh, is now iconic. and And... One of the things that I think has made Apple such a beloved brand is that they've consistently used storytelling through their advertising, primarily, as a way to build empathy among their audience. All around the same kind of value pair, that the same idea that there's a rebel, that there's a creative that is that is breaking away from uh, the norms or, or from conformity, uh, uh, at the heart of. Uh, their customer base and at the heart of the brand, of course. So I think Apple is a great example of where a story can be very powerful at, at building audience affinity. And there are, there are a lot of other brands that have been brilliant at this. B2B Adobe does a great job as a storyteller as well.
0: All that being said, that those decades of storytelling can be broken real time when the new iPhone release doesn't operate as it should and social media takes over and people are being impulsive and reactive in the moment. Mike, what I'm trying to figure out and learn from you guys is have you come up with a, a way to plant a 15-second, a 20-second, a minute-long kind of story as a hook to keep people over the long run, right? I don't know if it's still possible.
2: Oh, sure it is. Um, <clears throat> Uh, there's a there's a wonderful series of ads running right now for uh, Bud Light uh, that um, that take uh, the phrase dilly dilly right. Dilly what do dilly. they say, Bob? Dilly dilly. Okay. Isn't it? Yeah, yeah it's dilly dilly. Yeah, yeah. and dilly dilly has become. I mean, it's just everywhere now. And these ads are terrific little thirty second stories uh, that that you you grab attention by change. By things radically changing suddenly in front of you in the first second to the negative, you hit that negative floor to set up a positive ending. And in in one or two turning points from the inciting incident on, you've got their attention. A couple of turning points, you're holding the attention, and then uh, you hit climax, yell dilly dilly, <laughs> and they all go chasing after. Bob, what what are, what are we talking about here? We're talking about a drink, right? Yeah, well, look. What what are the choices? What, you know, <laughs> to, make, to make things simple here, what are the choices? How do you persuade people? You can do one of two things. You can brag and promise. We're the biggest. We're the best. And promise we'll do this for you. We'll do that for you. You can brag and promise. What I used you call? You know, uh, uh, <clears throat> benefits and and um, features, in in Biz-Ad school? You can brag and promise or you can hook them and hold them with a story. Those are your only choices. Bragging and promising today, talk about limited attention spans, bragging and promising to young people today falls on deaf ears. They have heard all this crap before and they're not impressed. So you okay. gotta hook them with an, with something, a negative turning point that makes them wonder, how's this gonna turn out? Hold them for a half a minute or a minute and then pay it off with a terrific ending uh, and uh, and you 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 got you you got you got them uh, looking forward to buying your product. And so it, it's, it's it's you only have those two choices. Yep, Tom, we're running so, out of time.
0: You you were going to add something. Did you want to sneak something in there?
1: Yeah, Nathan. You know, one of the things you mentioned earlier on is is that a lot of companies have tried to use this approach and failed, and the reason they fail. And the reason they, they lose their audience so quickly is because they don't do what Bob just mentioned, which is they have an event that sends things to the negative. Because marketers are so trained, it's in their DNA to go positive, 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 positive. What do you mean by that? Give me a real
0: example. When you say you go, both said that,
1: go to the negative. Sure. Uh, so for example, somebody falls out of love uh, or a, uh, a company uh, uh, has a terrible quarter. Um, those are all, you know, life turning to the negative, Got some, it. some important value in life, uh, goes to its negative side. Um, uh, but if you don't go to the negative, then when you have a happy ending, it doesn't matter because if all you did was go along, happy, 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 happy ending, who cares? I mean, there's nothing interesting about that. The, the, what Bob just pointed out that is so important and that most marketers miss is the idea that great stories are dynamic. They go negative, positive, negative, positive. And if you don't do that, you bore your audience in a heartbeat. And so Bob coined this phrase, negaphobia, to describe one of the primary challenges that marketers face. They refuse to acknowledge that there's any negative side of life. And if you don't acknowledge that, you can't tell a good story.
0: Guys, there you have it. I'm gonna wrap up Tom with the famous five-year direction. Bob, last question for you though. Is that coffee or Bud Light in your coffee cup?
2: Oh, that's um, that's a wonderful cappuccino.
0: <laughs> I just want to know how close to the dilly dilly we are. All right, Tom, let's wrap up here. With <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was great. That was wonderful. Let's ra- let's wrap up here with the famous five. Tom, number one, uh, what's the last business book you read?
1: Uh, the last business book I read is well, Storynomics. I've been working on it for two years with Bob. and we <laughs> finished
0: <it on> <laughs> Fair enough. Number two, is there a CEO you're following or studying right now?
1: Um, uh, you know, Howard Schultz, I think is a fascinating guy and I've been watching his leadership, uh, and, and in some ways trying to emulate what I do here at Skyward. Does he run in 2020? I hope so.
0: All right. Number three, what's your favorite online tool for building the business?
1: Um, well, other than our own Skyward platform, uh, we do a ton of work with Marketo and we found integrating with them has been a particularly po- powerful combination. For and number us. four,
0: how many hours of sleep do you get every night? Not enough. Maybe five. Okay, and what's your situation? Married, single? You have kids? Uh, single. Okay. And if you know
1: anybody, uh, please send it my way.
0: N- no kids that you know of.
1: <laughs> no kids that I. All right. Heard.
0: And and how old are you, Tom? Uh, I'm 47. All right. Take us home. What do you wish your 20 year old self knew?
1: You know, I wish my 20 year old self knew that it was uh, okay to fail and okay to admit you don't know what you don't know. Guys,
0: there you have it from Tom. Built a very successful SaaS company with services layer, layered on top of it called Skyward, helping scale content marketing. They just raised a bunch of money, past twenty million in AR. They've teamed up with one of the greats, Bob. I tried to mess with Bob, and he shot back, "You don't want to mess with Bob." But Bob, Tom, thank you both for coming on and taking us to the top. Thank you.